apparently, real socialism has never been tried. socialism has never been tried. Now Nick, you, you, must, you must have heard this before, that wasn't real socialism. Oh yeah. Or that's not real socialism or, yep. or whatever. But it's only, it's only when it goes wrong. A lot of the time, yes. So what traditionally happens is some revolutionary comes along, um, tries a few things out, and because they've been taken over from a, I guess, a reasonably successful capitalist economy, Yeah. Um, not necessarily a complete free market, but you know, not socialism either. They take over, and things are probably okay for a while. It doesn't happen overnight. Exactly. It, you can't. Exactly. You can't destroy it overnight. No. Yeah. Um, and so what happens is, oh well, you know, you'll see some success because there will be things like government spending programs, and obviously that money, you know, is, is about they can print money, etc. And that won't take an impact for a while. So you can see very, very quickly good things happening under what is supposedly socialism. Yeah down the line is it run out of money or ideas or whatever and and then it all turns into Venezuela where <laughs> people are you know joking aside people are starving um, you know it's, it's a, just a tyrannical government um, inflation in the millions of percent oh it's super inflation it's, it's, fleeing it's, the country it's towards Zimbabwe I think in, in, yep. in, in inflationary terms um, and at that point oh, it's, yeah, well, it was never real socialism even John McDonald was on I think it was on the news recently saying, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously the reasons that... It, that he said they lost their way, Venezuela. Yeah, that he, he, think, he thinks they lost their way under Maduro, I believe. Yeah. Um, and what they want is a little bit more socialism. Um, just a bit more socialism. Well, it's always, it's just always, a it's always few more, more deaths. Sorry, that's communism. Well, it's the same <laughs> thing, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, communism is, is supposed to be the end, the end goal of socialism. Um, but yeah, but what happens in it, and it happened in... Russia as well, you know, the, all, all the, the left-wing academics over here were huge fans of, of, of Russia early on. Um, well, you're talking the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union, sorry, the Soviet Union, and then and, until it goes horrifically wrong, and then well, obviously that wasn't... That turns wasn't turns out it was a house of cards. Exactly. But there are some people who, the, the kind of socialist purists, who go further than that. Socialist purists, can you do that to the English language? Pure socialists? Well, no, we'll go with socialist purists. So, socialist purists, <laughs> well, 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 anyway, these, these guys, um, they will admit that the Soviet Union and Venezuela and, and whatever the latest project is, isn't real socialism either. Right. People like, now you may, I'm sure you've heard of these, I think they're called the Official Socialist Party of Great Britain. I have heard of, I have heard so, of that. Because there's a few different ones. There's there are, few. there are. They're a bit kind of Judean people's front and people's front of Judea. <laughs> yeah. um, there, there are lots of similarly named organisations, but this one. So to give you an example of when you, I know you've heard of it, when we were at the Big Tent Ideas Festival. Oh, last year, yes. With Christian Nemitz having a chat, um, pointing to real socialism has never been tried on the wall. Yes. We were talking about those bozos. Um, so these right. guys, if you, if a country has any kind of ruling class whatsoever, yeah. so any kind of government, then it's not socialism. If they have any kind of money, that's not socialism. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing. Right. No money. No money at all. So their argument is it hasn't even been remotely tried anywhere. And so their idea... Work, everybody it, has to do it. And it's like, 
oh, how am I going to describe this? It's almost it. They they want it to be voluntary. Obviously, it never will be. But their point is, if there well, is no government with seven million people as well, they they openly admit yes. that the whole world has to do this Billion. in order for it to work. Yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously, uh, uh, some uh, a system without a government is um, a form of anarchy. Um, but what they're saying is that this is this is like that. Only it's all about other people. It's never about yourself. I mean, it literally the only way that it would possibly work, which means it wouldn't is if you never look after yourself. You only ever look after someone else. But as long as everyone's doing that, it's fine. But apparently, so their, their theory is uh, lots of stuff can be you know, automated with machines now. Uh, lots of stuff is already... Oh, 21st century socialism. Lots of things are already built. You know, we've heard this all before. You know, it needs to replace capitalism. Uh, standing on the shoulders of capitalism. Exactly, exactly. But right. they, again, but, you know, to give the devil their due, they're quite honest about this. So I have heard this, by the way. I've heard the the idea that uh, you know, AI is going to give birth to socialism, because uh, all of this automation um, will mean that we don't have to work anymore. But they've been saying they've been saying that for a couple of hundred years. Whatever the next totally. the next technological advance is, yes, that will open the gates to socialism. Yep. Whatever it is, when when we're all fully automated, the next thing that will give birth to socialism. Fully automated socialism. But uh, okay, so that's that's the um, start, isn't it? Yeah. Fully automated yeah. luxury communism. That was it. Yeah. So the idea is that you only actually have to work for maybe a couple of days a week. Everybody can work a couple of days a week. The greater good. That's that's a theory. You know, you, you work a couple of days a week. You do stuff for no there. money. Well, no, but everything is free. Everything is free. So why do I need, do I need to work there? Because every, because it wouldn't work unless everybody works. So every, everybody agrees to this. Everybody agrees to this. You work a couple of days a week for the greater good. I don't agree to that. Providing. <laughs> okay, so sorry, that's, sorry, sorry. That's one reason it doesn't work. Sorry. You know, the, the idea is when people see it working, of course they'll want to. They'll want to join in. Right. So you you will be yeah you you, you will be all up for this as soon as you realise that this is a, a fantastic new system. It's better than capitalism. You can get everything for free. You just need to work a couple of days a week. A couple of days. You can do two days. You can do two days a week. You can put some effort in doing something you're good at, that the whole country needs, and then everybody does if that. If everyone only works to, right? So this is assuming that, you know, the vast amount of every single aspect of our lives is automated. I mean, this is you know, if we've only got doctors for a couple of days a week, you know, right now we have a shortage of doctors. So if doctors only work for a couple of days a week, then we'll have even bigger shortage of doctors. So th- this, this is assuming a humongous leap forward. Again, to give, to give the devil their due, they're assuming that lots of what lots of people do is unnecessary, including all the government work and all the public sector workers. Well, I'm with them with that. Exactly, me too, me too. So yeah, <laughs> they, they, there are some things that they say that you think, well, actually, okay, you know, you, you've got a point there. Yeah. And so there'll be lots more people to do things that are necessary and things that are needed. So they, they hide these truths in there. I, I'm going to stick my neck out here and say that the uh, the vast majority of the people that currently work uh, for that area of the public sector that you've just highlighted aren't good enough to be doctors. No, 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 no that's, that's right. Um, <laughs> but that's not, that's not my biggest issue. <laughs> well, okay. I'm just coming up with an issue as it comes yeah, to yeah. So <laughs> let's, assume, let's assume that they're right, okay, and that everybody just needs to work two or three days a week and then we'll have enough doctors because we'll have more of them and they'll, they'll work shifts, etc., etc. Yeah. Let's assume that everything, everything works out. That somehow the exact balance of 
what this people in professions is exactly what we need this is where i'm getting to who decides whether someone's a doctor or not exactly so what they what they advocate to start off with is well, we're going to be democratic about everything we're going to be democratic about everything democratic everything, socialism everything is decided by democracy but then when you scratch the surface a little bit more it's well how can everybody decide on everything it can't it can't possibly happen and there, there are only two ways to organize you can either have it decided for you, it can be centrally planned, or you can have a market, which we know works. Well, which I would actually argue isn't organising the economy. No, exactly. It's, There's only it's, one it's, way to organise the economy, the wrong way, which is to organise it. Don't organise it. Exactly. <laughs> this is the, the, argument for, the argument for free markets. Yeah. But then when you speak to them a little bit more, what they say is, well, obviously it's going to take some kind of administration. There we go. And there we it. go. And this that is it. These are these administrators who do all the all the dull and mundane tasks. That their words, dull and mundane tasks. We know exactly who these administrators are going to be. They're going to be people like Pol Pot, like Stalin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these are these are the people who who are going to organise the economy for you. You must you must have it. I mean, maybe not your current workplace because you're the boss, but at, at other other places you've worked with, yeah. whenever you have decisions that are going to be decided by committees or by votes, they're allowed mouths, aren't they? Absolutely. So these are the people who are going to want to do the organising. Yes, totally. And this is why even their ultra-pure, supposedly completely democratic version of socialism will never, ever work, because these people will always find a way to be in control. Yes. And if you don't have well, them, it will fall down because nothing will be organised. How, how do you know exactly how many cars to build? What quality of car do you build? How big do people's houses have to be? What quality of the houses? What? How does all of this get decided? So take the NHS. Everybody loves the NHS. Whether you're on the right or the left, there's, there's you, me, Dan Hannon. There are only a few people who would want to just completely abolish it and, and you know, e either replace it with a completely market-based system or even a, even a better system in Europe or Singapore or whatever. Basically, everybody loves the NHS. Yeah. They want it to do well. Um, it's got all the backing of every single political party. It's got, the, it's got more political will than anything else in Britain. It's the closest thing we have to a little version of a planned economy. It is. Actually. And we still get it wrong all the time. Yes. So it's got the biggest, it's got the greatest political will and it still goes wrong. And it, well, what, what you're saying, I think, is that it, it is very poor at reacting to need to changes in need. It's, it's very poor at reacting quickly enough yeah. and providing the best reaction as well. So not only does it react slowly, it also reacts badly to things. Yes. Very, very poorly run. Yeah, and I think everyone's got an example of that. Of course they have, of course they have. Um, but anyway, let's just go back to how this, this kind of, sort of pure socialism would, would be run. The socialist purists. The socialist purists. So the idea is that everybody does you know, what they're good at uh, for nothing, but they a couple of days a week, a couple of two or three days a week, but they get everything back for free. Now the the issue there is that things need to be decided. How much how much how much time are we going to are we going to as a as an economy as a country we're going to time spend building cars and how much are we, yeah. how, much, how many resources are we going to provide for healthcare and for food and for all the other things we need. So decisions need to be made. Um, these democratically exactly these decisions will be made democratically. Everybody will get the opportunity to be involved with everything. So more referenda. 
Let's vote on everything. But you don't have to vote on, on everything. So you and I could say, you know what, we've had enough of this now. We're going to let this administration, um, you know, these people who obviously enjoy what they're doing and they mean well, we're going to let them decide a bunch of stuff. We might get involved in some things that we feel passionate about, yeah. but you know, for, for day-to-day things that we don't really care about, we will let them decide on that. Let me, let or, me the just, pe- or, or, or everybody else who is interested, yeah. we will let them decide. Let me just come back to something you just said there, which I think is an important point that might come back later, which is that we might get involved in stuff that we care about or that we find interesting, maybe. Yes. So we might, we're essentially, I'm going to call us lobbyists at that point. And that everyone will naturally have different things that they care about. Well, I imagine pen manufacturers will be interested in the pen industry. Yes. Car mechanics will be interested in the car mechanic industry. But also... Cars in general. But I'm I'm quite interested in um, in making sure that, uh, you know, I have, for argument's sake, chicken to eat instead of beef. Yeah? Correct. Yeah, so this is... And and I'm less concerned with celery. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Because I don't really like celery. Um, so I'm, I'm less concerned with that than I am with baked beans that I like. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. So we've got this administration who, um, by by committee, and let's assume that these people have been voted into these positions. I'm not sure whether they're voted in or whether volunteered or whether everyone has everyone has the opportunity to volunteer and to and to be involved. So it might be an enormous committee. Yes. For some things. Okay. Um, yeah, a tiny committee for others. Okay, and, and bearing in mind we're talking about playing the entire economy here, okay. And I know we can simplify the economy, you know, we only need one type of coffee. Um, and Victory coffee. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, golf cough. Yeah, we only need one government coffee. And, uh, and likewise, you know, we only need one paper manufacturer. We only need, we only need one, one type of everything, we think. Then it should be a lot simpler. But you're still talking about a vast, vast, vast sum of different products and services that you've got to plan. And, and a point that you made that, you know, off, off recording earlier yeah. was that you know, it might be easy to decide between black ink and blue ink or between... When you're making ballpoint pens. Exactly, yeah. or between this type of car and that type of car. But how do you decide between cars and pens? Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Who, who gets to decide? So, one's assuming that if you can create this, this bureaucracy to do this, that you would probably segment it to start with because you'd be going, right, okay, look, food's quite a big topic. So these people are going to talk about food and they're going to work out the, the proportions of the different types of food. Well, I think anybody who wants to be, who is interested in food gets the opportunity to be involved. Yes. So you don't, it's not decided who, any, anybody who yeah. is interested. All the people in interested in food get together yes. and work out for the nation or the world what food we need to we need to be making, um, and what and, and therefore what resources need allocating. There's no money. Resources need allocating. How much electricity do we need? How much gas? How much land? How many people do we need? And then a different group of people will you know like like you guys, you guys are in charge of stationery, <laughs> so ballpoint pens and all that kind of stuff. But you know I mean, if you if you if you could agree on just one color, that would probably be probably be easier. And then, and that the point where they've made their decisions. They then come back together again to a larger group and have to decide where those competing demands get resourced. And that's the point you're making, isn't it? It's suddenly you end up with, well, hang on a minute, 
I've got cans of beans over here, which the, the food group have said are quite important. And they think everyone needs a can of beans. Um, and the pen manufacturer goes, everyone needs a pen. They cost about the same amount to make, actually. So, you know, which one is it, which one is it going to be? So at that point there, is it who shouts the loudest? Is it because the number of people getting involved with food is more than the number of people getting involved with pens that means that they get overruled? But what I'm going to say is that the outcome of that, the outcome I think of that, is that you'll end up with not enough of something. So their argument is there is enough for both. There is enough for everybody to have everything they need. How? Enough resources. Enough, they, they think that there's so much waste going on, going on in the world that everybody, there's enough resources to make everything, to, to provide everyone with food, with shelter, and there's enough effort to provide everything as well. How, do, I they, could, I how could, do they know that? They're just magically it happens to equal exactly the right amount of resources. I, I, I don't think I disagree with them with that. I think there's enough resources for everyone to have everything they need. I, I don't think socialism is, is the way to get that. But I don't think there's right. a lack of resources on a, the, the, well, the, or a lack of able-bodied people okay. to, to, to provide everything. Okay. I don't think that's the issue. Okay, but your, your argument is there's enough resources for everything. Whereas what I'm saying is that if you are trying to assess demand without a, a, a doing using the aggregate of people's individual choices, i.e. A, a free market, you're going to get it wrong. If a committee of people decide how much bread to manufacture, then either we're going to have a bread mountain or there are going to be queues of people trying to get bread. And you can argue that then... Oh well, you know, okay. The first plan, the first, we came up with our economic plan. We spent we spent a good few years on it, and well, you know, this was the five year plan. Okay, well, we're three years in. It's not working because um, there are there was quite a few people queuing for this bread now, uh, but that's okay because we know now we can see the queue, and so we now know that that we need to make more bread. Are you saying to me that the only reason we didn't make more bread? is because we chose not to make more bread. There's, there's totally the resources for us to make more bread without not making something else. Because all I'm saying is that you have to not do something else in order to make more bread. And it's great now because it's really obvious. Everyone can see we need more bread, but we're going to have to not make something else. And it's, I mean, one would assume you choose something you suddenly got a surplus of. And you would look at this, the, you would look at the outputs of the economic plan and you go, Hang on a minute, I've got far too much butter, I've but got, I'm not going to so have bread. I've got, I've got an even greater problem with that. Yep. So I, I think, the, the way you describe it, um, you could, uh, reasonable human beings could react to that actually quite quickly. Okay, there's, there's obviously not enough bread. We've got a queue after the first week. We need to address this now. But we've got lots of ballpoint pens. Yeah. So we're going to spend less money or less effort. You know, it, it, it makes sense. Resource, it whether makes, it's human, land, exactly. energy. It makes sense to spend less effort on ballpoint pens and more on bread because people are going a little bit hungry yeah. spending half an hour queuing at the bakers every day. We need more bakers. Yeah. So who decides who's going to be a baker? What if nobody wants to be a baker? Do you then get ah. assigned by the... Re by, do you get democratically assigned to what you will do between right. two or three days a week? So the economic plan... Uh, you're saying you, you you might be able to react quickly enough um, to, or at least I, you'd I be able to spot. But, but it, let's assume, let's assume, let's assume that, you that you can, by virtue of looking at the cues, 
um, and the mountains of product that, that you've made too much of, that you could work out where to reduce something and where to increase something. Yes. And let, Shall and we also and let's also say that the majority agree on this. The majority can see the cues. Yeah. The majority shall can see we, the mountains. Shall we also completely ignore the fact that it's very easy to increase production of some things and it's very difficult to increase the production of other things? Yes, let's just brush over let's that. Let's just completely gloss over that fact. So then you're saying, oh, we've got, we, we know, we now know exactly how much bread and butter to make and how many ballpoint pens to make. We've totally assessed this because we've seen the demand. Even, even we've if, seen it now. Even if we don't know exactly how what that is, we know we need more. We know we yes. need more bakers than we do pen makers. Yeah, so now you've got a problem of how you deal with the human resources. Exactly. So one of my, one of my arguments against democracy is that it's always a form of tyranny. It is always the majority against either the minority or the individual. Yeah. So, somewhat, so for the pen maker who doesn't want to be a baker, it doesn't matter if he's been you know, given a, a government diktat in order to become a baker, or the rest of the world has told him, he's still being told what to do. Yeah. It's still a form of tyranny. He still has to, 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 to down tools and, you know. And, and, for and the greater go good. But it, it's, that, that's, all that, that, that's just a, it's a, a, a synonym for tyranny. As yes. far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, and so in this, I mean, uh, and again, what we've done there with one when the number of caveats we've just put in anyway, uh, people yeah, agree. That, that's assuming everybody else, everything else would work. Yeah. Assuming those would work, then basically you'd have a situation where um, you, well, okay, how? Let's, let's actually talk about it. How would you choose who's a baker? How would you choose who's a doctor? Tell you what, well, I'm going to list, we have it, the, the economic plan for numbers of stuff. That's one area. So we've got the other part of the economic plan is people. And we, we tried uh, working out how much stuff we needed. We got it wrong first time, but we very, very quickly saw what was right. So let's take, take the same approach to so people. We, so are you saying Andy, we know the number of doctors we need? Andy, you're going to be a doctor. Okay. Okay. Um, we've worked out any, any doctors. I um, oh, need some more doctors. Uh, you're not. You're, no, you're. We don't need as much pens. You're a pen manufacturer, so you're going to be a doctor. I'm changing you from making a pen to um, to being a doctor. And what's going to happen is that some people are going to die, and that's going to we're, we're going to work out that you shouldn't be a doctor. Yeah. So we're going to try something else. The only, I mean, honestly, the only way I can think about this working is by trial and error. It's by again a, a, a the the people that are coming up with the plan for going, well you try being a baker then. Well you try making some butter. You try being a doctor. Unless they ask people what they're good at, is that the next step? Well I th I think e that even if uh, if everyone I, I, if you, I see problems with this, even if everybody does what they even if we've got the numbers right, everything else works, people are doing what they love. I still see there being problems, and so take take comparative advantage. Now I know it's a huge topic, and we'll talk about that on another time. Yeah. But for example, it's not what I do right away. But I'm I'm good at computer programming. Yeah. Okay. And it's a skill that has paid me well for many years. It's a skill that's in demand. Um, it's it's better for me to spend my time programming on a computer than it is to clean my house. 
which is why I have a housekeeper. Yes. Okay, so it, it, you know, I, I work long hours in London. I, I often spend four hours a day traveling. I have long days. I don't want to come home and hoover. So I have a housekeeper so I can spend my time um, you know, programming a computer. Being as productive as you Being can. Being as productive as I can, exactly. Uh, so it's, it's a win-win situation because my housekeeper is very good at it. She enjoys keeping houses. She keeps my house. She keeps my next-door neighbor's house yep. uh, and several others in the area. It's a win-win situation. I would argue that it's probably better for the you know the economy as a whole that I do what I'm good I'm rubbish at cleaning houses. It's better for me to do what I'm good at than yeah. somebody else. So who decides on whether or not I get a housekeeper or not? Yeah, does, does anyone in this system get a housekeeper? So you yeah, you'd assume that disabled people get housekeepers. People who can't and the elderly, people who can't keep their own houses, of course but they is, would get housekeepers. But everybody else, able bodied people, would they get housekeepers? You can imagine that conversation being very simple, which is that nobody who's able deserves a housekeeper. But if this is fully automated luxury socialism, then everyone should have a housekeeper. No, wait, that doesn't work, does it? Because <laughs> what about the housekeepers? Do the housekeepers get housekeepers? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's not, it's not going to be fully automated. Unless it's, it's, it's completely standard socialism. Yeah. Um, and the stuff isn't automated yet. Yep. People are required to clean houses. What you're talking about is demand. You're, what you're talking about is someone has to assess demand. If your skills are in demand, if in this, in this world we need your computer programming skills, then somebody has to make a judgment call. It's value. What, 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 is, what is worth them? How do you, if, if, nothing is, if nothing is paid for, if everything is done for free, how do you assign value to stuff? How do you know what's more important? How do you know if baked beans are worth more than cabbages? Yeah. The only, the only, way, the only way you can assess value would be on the, the human and physical resources and, and the energy put into them to make them. It's the only concept. The labour theory of value, is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, this, this is this takes, this X takes, number of hours. X, right. X, X number of hours. Uh, X amount of energy uh, and X amount of raw materials, but but you st you've then still got to compare different raw materials. If something and, and and again this is where this this idea that there's there's enough resources to go around for everything. Well, but there are different amounts of elements in the ground, and but some even, of them are more difficult to extract than others. But even let's let's just. We, we can sweep that aside and it can still be it can still be wrong so let's assume that there are enough of everything that we can get whatever we need raw material wise yeah, there isn't but okay but let's just assume there is so with the labor theory of, uh, of value um, because it takes me eight hours to do something yeah that's worth eight hours yeah okay I might be rubbish at something so it takes me eight it might take me eight hours to clean my house yeah someone um, else it takes an hour so yeah it takes someone else an hour yeah. Whereas I could knock up a computer program for something that somebody else would never be able to do ever. Um, you know. Therefore, what is that worth? How how is that? So how what is we that need, determined? What we need is an expert to determine that. I, you know, I might just be really good at stuff because some people are just better at stuff than others. Yeah. You know, the, the the sports people, for example, basketball players. You know, you, you're gonna have you're gonna have skills. And physical attributes that make you better at some things than other people. Yeah. But how do you determine what you're good at or what you enjoy doing has value or not? I think you need some people in charge that um, can determine this for you because they're experts in everything. 
Look, look where, where are we going with this? It's, imp- it's important. That where are we going with what we're trying to do here? We're okay. trying to say it just can't work. Yeah, so, so my point is even if you ha- even if you caveat out everything, you yeah. just sweep under the carpet all these obvious issues, um, it will still never work because you know, you, stuff needs to get decided by somebody. And even if those decisions are made by the country or the world as a whole, yeah, they'll, they'll get it wrong. They'll get it wrong. They'll get it wrong. And this is the argument for individual decision because you anyway, you live and die by it. But it only, but it affects you. And also, in, in any in any successful economy, um, you you know you have, people have, have taken risks. Yes. Uh, and risks yes. have been some have been successful, some haven't been successful. Yes. Um, and it's it's all taken on an individual basis. If you're doing stuff on a, on a nation or on the world, you're taking risks with everyone. On everyone. That's and a very who, good point. Who, and who, who makes a decision for that? You know, I might be willing to take a risk. I, I may have you know, worked hard for 20 or 30 years or something, built up a stack of cash, so I can afford to take a little bit of a risk on my new product. And it might pay off, it might not. Yes. Um, you know, I, I might make millions out of it. it, it may have been a bad idea and I go on to something else. But I can, t- I can afford to take that risk. If it's done as, a, as, a, as, a, you know, as, as the world, yeah. who decides on, on which, which risk we take? Well, and so, and this was a point I wanted to bring out, but actually it ties in quite nicely with this, which is how on earth do you plan innovation? How on earth do you fit into this planned economy uh, the directed innovation? How do you say, I really think you should go and invent the radio? You know, I mean, it's, it's, again, it's impossible. The, the, the best discoveries have been accidents, haven't they? Also, some of the, some of the best discoveries and the best inventions have been the products of people spending, you know, toiling for years, yes. getting it wrong, and then wrong, and then yes. wrong, and then wrong, and yes. then wrong, and then wrong, and then the, right. The planned the economy. The planned economy let them. Let no, them the planned wrong, economy would say, time. "Stop wasting your unproductive time on that. We're not going to have. When I'm sorry, Edison, but I this I know this is your 85th light bulb, but you just need to quit now. <laughs> That's how it would end." Yeah, good, good, good.